Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Sunday, December 12, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home. I'm at home. I'm back just two days after having four wisdom teeth removed. Some are calling me toughest man this side of the Mississippi. For some context, Deadleg, consider that LeBron James recently missed eight games with the Lakers with what was described as an abdominal strain. Meantime, I had four teeth pulled. I only missed one podcast, and I'm like eight years older than him. Really does say something about my level of toughness, I think. Uh, I spent Friday and Saturday on oxycodone. I'm drug-free now, at least until this podcast is over. How was your weekend? Uh, (laughs) It was good. It feels like your voice might be still impacted by what you've gone through over the past 48 hours. You feel like you got a little rasp going on. I had major dental surgery. You did have major dental surgery, uh, but it's great to have you back. Cobb did well in your in your. My in face your, is a little yeah. swollen still. I got to be honest, and I know I'm not the only one. Hello to everyone watching on YouTube. Hopefully you got the alert when we went live. Um, I think I speak for many people that we were hoping that you'd be back on this episode, but potentially maybe there could have been an Alvin and the Chipmunks kind of situation going on. That's not quite the case. If you're swollen, it doesn't really show up on camera right now. I got to admit, but it's good. To, it is. It is good to have you here. And uh, listen, you're playing through it. You're playing through it. Um, you know what? Honestly, I'm not really playing through it. I was dreading this. Like, I, I, I don't want to say I was scared. I don't want to overstate it. But like, <laughs> I've heard I've heard terror stories about people getting their wisdom teeth out. And so um, they put yeah. me to sleep completely. They pulled all four out. I woke up. I was numb. Went to the pharmacy, got all the pain medicine, took two immediately, came home, slept most of the rest of Friday, off and on, off and on. Saturday, woke up, worried I might be in pain, so I took the pain pills. Don't really know if I needed them. By Saturday afternoon, I kicked my habit. I'm now recovering oxycodone. I was addicted for like 20, maybe about 20 hours. I'm glad you're over it. I'm in recovery now. I don't know if you were able to listen to or watch any of Friday's show, but I had, <laughs> we had a listener uh, refer to you as dead tooth. And now in the comments here, we've got five dead tooth mentions. So, <laughs> so that might now uh, listen between dead tooth and dead leg. We're, we're a damn podcast on a pirate ship as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, whatever. It's great to, uh, it's great to have you. Were you able to watch most of Saturday hoop? I mean, we got so much to get to here. And it was a uh, it was a damn eventful past forty eight hours in college basketball. Well, yeah, like um, I had I had the house mostly to myself. My mother was nice enough to take the kids. Uh, my wife went out of town for twenty four hours, like little girl trip. So I had the house to myself, just me and a bottle of oxycodone. It was romantic. But yes, I watched a lot of basketball. So let's get to it. The biggest game on the uh, schedule this weekend was actually on Sunday afternoon. It was number two Baylor against number six Villanova down in Waco. It's fun on paper. Not so much fun on the court. Game was never really competitive. Final score, Baylor 57, Villanova 36. So the reigning national champions are now 9-0 with lopsided wins over Villanova and Michigan State. In other words, Scott Drew, after losing four starters off of last season's national championship team, is now 9-0 this season with lopsided wins over two 
top 20 teams with Hall of Fame coaches. Incredible stuff. I suppose at this point you could make an argument for Arizona to be number one if you wanted to, although I would probably push back on it a little bit. We can get into why later. But come Monday, barring something stupid, Baylor is going to be number one in the AP poll and in the coaches poll. The Bears are already number one in the top 25 and one. Is that the way you would vote it? Have to have to vote it that way. If Baylor is, this is a mortal lock. If Baylor's not number one in the AP top 25 come Monday, it'll be honestly, that'll be the worst miss in the history of the AP top 25. And there have been no shortages of it. We listen, as I said, a couple minutes ago, we've got no shortages of things to talk about coming out of this weekend, but Baylor doing what it did to Villanova now becomes the headline because it's the big picture story. And the big picture story is this. Baylor's the best team in college basketball right now. Baylor is the best program in college basketball. It's undeniable. In the moment, in the recent history, reigning national champions. And if you go back to the start of the 2019-20 season, Baylor has the second best record in the sport, only to Gonzaga. And when you grade it on a curve, Baylor's performed better. 63-6. and six. Gonzaga has five losses playing in the WCC, and many of those wins are legitimate. We're not going to dis- disregard what Gonzaga's been able to do, but Baylor's been the best program. Had that 2020 tournament not been canceled, it could have been Gonzaga that won it. Could have been Baylor, though. Could have been Dayton. Kansas was the best team per Ken Palm that season. But the point is, because we didn't have that tournament, and Baylor won last season, but Gonzaga was wired to wire in the AP Top 25 last season. Baylor's be- Baylor has held the number one ranking in the AP top 25 and four of the past six seasons. And that does not, it's, it technically includes last season. Apparently, if you take the coaches preseason vote into account, they were number one in the preseason, the coaches poll heading into, into 2021, but Gonzaga held it wire to wire in the AP top 25. But this is the moment that Baylor deserves. Everyone underrated this team going into the season. And that was somewhat understandable considering how many good pieces from the championship team left GP, right? But no more, this is the kind of win. And in fact, when I, when I left the Kansas St. John's game in Long Island last Friday, um, Scott Drew had actually called me uh, on the ride home because he wanted to just get a quick input on like Kansas. I'd seen him a couple times in person or whatever. And then uh, you're not he, scouting for Baylor. Is that what you're I'm not scouting for Baylor? But the real reason he called me was he was well, he wanted me to give you playfully. He wanted me to give you. Um, a little bit of grief because you weren't, and he was just, this was entirely in jest, but he's like, Hey, what's it going to take for, for Gary Durankis in the top three, top four at this point? Cause you didn't have him there. No. And I said, I said, listen, you know, next, next Sunday, Nova, you beat Nova. And I was like, Scott, like in, in all seriousness, like if you beat Villanova next Sunday, that's going to be the moment where kind of collectively the general college sports following public is going to be like, Oh, right. Baylor's really awesome. And we should have probably been talking about them a bit more because even though they won the battle for Atlantis, you know, that came on that Thanksgiving weekend, Duke, when they won the battle for Atlantis, Duke versus Gonzaga was that very same night. So they've been constantly overshadowed. So here you go, Baylor Bears. Here's your moment. You deserve it. You won the title last season. And there's Scott Drew's got the best program in the sport. And I don't think you can argue against it when you consider record opponents, what they've been able to do. It's been it's been awesome this season, last season and the season before that. Actually moved Baylor to number one after Purdue lost earlier in the week at Rutgers because I started looking at it and it was like, what am I going to do? Bounce Duke back up and, you know, and, and Duke had just lost to an Ohio state team that had lost to somebody else. And everybody seemed flawed except for Baylor. I mean, they were perfect and, and, you know, winning every game by at least eight games. I mean, eight points. Uh, they had already routed Michigan state. Michigan state looks better than they looked say on opening night 
I mean, Michigan State looks legit good now. And um, then when you do what you do to Villanova, I mean, historically bad performance for Villanova. There's some bullet point stuff that is wild. Uh, 36 points, lowest Villanova's ever scored in 21 seasons under Jay Wright. Villanova shot 22.2% from the field, lowest ever under Jay Wright. 22.2% from the field. It was 22.2% from two-point range. Right, and three. (laughs) And three. Insane. 0.60 points per possession. Just horrendous stuff. The 36 points Villanova scored on Sunday, it ties the record for the fewest uh, points for a top-10 team ever in the shot clock era. This is all courtesy of ESPN stats and info, by the way. Uh, Justin Moore scored 15 points for Villanova. The other nine players who played combined to score just 21. What? If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the screen right here. No one had more than six other than Moore. Yeah, no, it's wild. And you know what? It it sounds crazy to say, considering this is a sport with Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Gonzaga. You'd have a hard time arguing Baylor's not the best program in the sport right now. When you are positioned to get a one seed in 2020, then dumbest pandemic of our lifetime, win the national championship in 2021, and then lose four starters off that team, don't return any double-digit scores, and you are, on December 13th, on Monday, you're going to be the number one team in America again after you just smashed two Hall of Fame coaches? That's, that's program stuff. That's the stuff we usually talk about. What well, doesn't matter what Bill Self loses. We know Kansas is going to be really good. It doesn't matter what Coach K loses. We know Duke's going to be really good. doesn't matter what Jay Wright loses. We know Villanova is going to be really good. We've got to the point, I think, I mean, three years in an extended period of time, we've got to the point where if I wasn't on board before, trust me, I am now. Whatever Scott Drew loses, I'm going to assume they're going to be good because they've been good uh, for really good, excellent for three straight years now with almost an entirely different cast of characters. We're singing in perfect harmony here. I, I couldn't agree with you more. This kind of win, this kind of start, getting back to the number one ranking in the poll at this point here, it's the exact kind of thing that'll make a lot of people then step back or maybe subconsciously even think, okay, a little more benefit of the doubt for Baylor going forward here. And they're not going to remain, you know, almost certainly not going to remain perfect. The Big 12 has been the best league in the country this season. They'll take a loss here or there, but they've been awesome. On on Sunday, the story was the defense. Like, Akinjo and Flagler, they were decent uh, on the other side of the on the floor. They were good with the ball. They shot relatively good, but it was a one-sided story. It's how Baylor Baylor took the number four team in offensive efficiency going into Kempom, number three in Torvik and Villanova, and held them to the fewest points that program has had. You said in the shot clock era, that dates to 85. They had last scored so few points in a game in 79 against Penn, the Penn team that made the final four. They actually won that game 36 to 34 there. How about this, though, big picture stats for Baylor? Because I did a little bit of digging once we got to about halftime, and I knew this was going to wind up being a Baylor win. Baylor is 13 and one under Scott True against the Big East. Baylor, oh, by the way, won the national title, hasn't lost it. So it has the longest win streak in the country, 15 in a row. All 15 of the wins that Baylor's had have come by at least eight points. And listen to to these teams. Wisconsin, Arkansas, Houston, Gonzaga, Michigan State, Stanford, Arizona State, VCU, Villanova twice. They're not just beating a bunch of bums. These are some of the greatest programs in the sport, and they're beating them by at least eight points 15 straight times in a row. Bears have won 33 straight non-conference games by 22 points on average going back to November of last year. They've won eight straight games against top 10 teams and against the past 21 games of ranked teams. Baylor is 18 and three against ranked opponents. Nova, for comparison, this Sunday was the third top 10 team Villanova faced this season. Unfortunately, and all the games have been away from home, Villanova's 0-3 in that stretch. It's just easy to take a loss or two in that. Baylor's not doing it. 
Like Scott Drew gave Villanova its worst performance ever under Jay Wright. Period. No doubt about it. Baylor's been phenomenal, man. And and they continue to be so. And maybe if you want to say there's a little bit of like, what are they going to wind up doing with all, like, can, can Akinjo Cobb mentioned this on the Friday podcast, their success, maybe big picture, whether they get to another final four, get to a one seed, how can drew make sure Akinjo is the guy they need him to be sure. But if Baylor's going to be a top three defensive team in the country, you can just kind of see it. Like even Kendall Brown, who didn't have a dynamite game, he he can go off. LJ Cryer, big time step up player. Flagler, I don't even think has hit fifth gear yet this season. So, just what a performance! I, I you know, if you want to have some concern from Nova, I think that's valid because it doesn't have a a good win over a quality high level team. It's got the win over a ranked team in Tennessee at this point. I get that, but zero and three versus top ten competition. But to me, Sunday was way more about. Baylor than Villanova because if you really watch that game start to finish it was just it was the Bears imposing their will at home and sending a message to the rest of the sport um you mentioned Baylor is now going to be number one in the AP poll three straight years and then four of the last six we mentioned this earlier when there was a coaching change but it's still wild to think about Maryland has never been number one in the AP poll Baylor's about to do it for the third consecutive year and the fourth time in six years it is an, an amazing story and um you know, I, it's wild. Like just 60 years ago, it was a monumental thing when Baylor moved to number one in the AP poll. And on Monday, they'll do it again. And then I'm sure they'll celebrate it, but it'll just be like, yeah, we've been here before several times. It's a pretty, it's a pretty wild thing to think about. It is. And that was, uh, so Baylor's a big winner. And yes, Baylor, by the way, someone, I don't have it up in front of me. Um, I think a listener of the podcast, he tweeted this, but I was trying to wrangle my kids. So Baylor's number one in Ken Palm. It's the first time since February that, uh, Gonzaga hasn't been. It's been Gonzaga from mid-February, late February until this afternoon. And apparently um, it's the it's the longest stretch since Ken Palm has been doing game by game data going back to 2010 that any team held the streak at number one that long, which is understandable. It's hard to stay atop. But uh, congrats to Baylor. Ken Palm, you are now the number one team in the country. By the way, first person ever to make Baylor number one in any rankings. GP. From a from a NICU. When my little premature baby sitting beside me in an incubator. How about that? I moved Baylor to number one. The subsequent Monday, they became number one in the AP poll. I feel like I was responsible for that. I mean, Baylor was mostly responsible for that. Uh, Thank you. But did I push them over the edge? Did I push the Bears over the edge? Probably. I think I probably did. And now look where we're at. So Baylor Villanova, it was not the only big game of the weekend. It was another fun one down in Tuscaloosa late Saturday. Kind of problematic. It ran right into Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Had to pull Saturday Night Live. We'll get into that next. First, <laughs> check this out. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. 
That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. So Baylor Villanova wasn't the only big game of the weekend. There was another fun one in Tuscaloosa. Late Saturday, final score, Alabama 83, Houston 82. Last 35 seconds were wild. Let me run you through it. So Houston's up one. Final minute, Alabama has the ball. Javon Quinterly drives, uh, gets off a little floater. It misses, but J.D. Davison's there. Stick back dunk, 32.5 seconds left. Alabama retakes the lead. It's 83-82. Now we're on the other end. Houston tries to isolate Marcus Sasser. He loses his dribble. Kyler Edwards picks it up, recovers the ball. Uh, He's in scramble mode, sort of launches a desperation three. It does hit the rim, but it misses. Fabian White, first tip, doesn't get there. Tries another tip. J.D. Davidson swats it away from the rim. Clock expires. Game over. Alabama wins. Kelvin Sampson wanted a goaltending on J.D. Davidson. He didn't get it. Dead leg. Did Kelvin Sampson deserve a goaltending call? No, because it wasn't even goaltending, period. Um, it was the most missed. Uh, you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the GIF, courtesy of our friend Tim Burke, Bubba Prague. Look at this. The ball is rotating backward. It's coming down. Now, the angle's not perfect, but that is a swat. An eager one by Davison. He gets it out of there. No, this is not goaltending, by the way. If anything... This would be basket interference. There is a difference between the two. This is not, as far as I can tell, this is not basket interference. If you think differently or you agree, feel free to, to cite your reasoning and your opinion in the, in the chat room as we talk about this. But no, and you know what? When this happened, it, when I was following in real time, it felt like the timeline was as split over something as I can recall in a long time. A lot of people saying yes. A lot of people saying no, agreeing disagreeing with the call there. I believe Nada has just put up a poll in the live chat. I do want to play, by the way, I want to play. This is um, Houston's uh, Learfield IMG call of the end of the game, which includes the pandemonium afterwards. So this is a little bit over a minute. I'm going to play this for you right now. Uh, here's how it sounded at the end of the game. Sasser on the bounce. Sasser between the legs. Dribbling, loses the ball. Saved by Edwards. Three on the shot clock. Edwards from way downtown. No good. The tip. No. The other tip. No. And the game is over. Samson saying that there should be a goaltending because the ball was touched on the cylinder. Samson begging the officials to review. Samson's begging the officials to review that the ball got tipped while it was on the cylinder. Samson in the face of the officials saying that you need to review that. And the officials aren't going to review it. The officials are not reviewing this play. Samson's chasing down the officials saying, how can you not review this? Samson's over towards the tunnel asking the officials, how can you not look at this? The officials will not review to see if there was goaltending and Samson still upset. Over on the right side, it looks like Sasser might have gotten touched by a student or a fan. 
And the Cougars have been beat in Alabama 83 to 82. Samson was begging and pleading with the officials to take a look on review to see if that ball was touched off the rim at the buzzer. And it wasn't. Again, Learfield IMG, Houston Radio on the call there. I was laughing during that because every time I see Nate Oates, I crack up. By the way, I sent the photo out of that as well, of Nate Oates waiting for the handshake here. Let's let's just get into the end of the other thing. Before we get into, like, great win for Bama and all that stuff. So, well, well let's resolve what you asked me. I say that's not basket interference, but do you? I think you can make a case that you could. <laughs> Oates. So good. It's so good. I'll get it, but I do want your answer first. Basket interference, yes or no? No, I thought that I thought it was a good no call. Somebody in the comments on YouTube makes the point, and I don't disagree with this. They do this in football all the time. Call it so you can review it, or in football rather, let it go so that you can then look at it like a fumble. They just hey, let it go, let the play play out. Don't blow it dead. Then we'll look at it and we'll make sure we get it right. Here, in theory, you should you could have blown the whistle and then and then reviewed that. But once they don't blow the whistle, there's nothing to review. Um, but either way, I think. I think they got it right. If you wanted to make Kelvin Sampson feel better in that moment, you could blow the whistle and then review it and then overturn it. But I, I think they got it right. So I got no complaint. I don't think that was basket interference. Um, I thought it was a clean play by JD Davis. I, I agree with you. I've had people reach out and strongly disagree. I'm not saying we're 100% correct, but I, I, I've watched the play probably close to 50 times and I'm just not seeing any angle that remotely suggests again, uh, yes, he pushes the ball toward the rim, but it's backward rotation caroms away when Davison swats it. It's on its way down. If you're a Houston fan, I understand. Now, as for this picture, if you're watching on YouTube of Nate Oates, he's out there doing, doing this handshake deal for like six seconds. Then he like laughs to himself or laughs at something off camera. Then he does it again. And my tweet is Nate Oates waiting for Kelvin Sampson's handshake is phenomenal. And here's the reason why. Because NATO almost got tossed out of the damn game like four minutes before this. He was out of his mind. He was out of his mind. Like, it, it very well could have been Houston's game. And this was an incredible late night. Shouts to anyone that was watching this in real time. Because, again, as GP said, this goes right into Saturday Night Live. It's well after midnight on the East Coast. I was trying to watch Billie Eilish, you know? I, 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 this, Saturday Night Live wasn't even remotely on my radar. I did, I did not realize that. I'm, I'm trying to squeeze in watching the end of Halt and Catch Fire before it leaves Netflix in a day. I got, like, three episodes. That's what held me up. But anyway, um... Yeah, and then I had people saying like it's everything you could imagine about Nate Oates uh, off of off of that. Like I get it. Guess what? This is good. Okay, Oates has villain type qualities. Good college basketball. The more characters you have, the better. It's it, he's going to do stuff that I'm going to disagree with eventually. Nate Oates, and he's done stuff before that's created headlines. A la what he went, did with Coach K last season, um, but. Oates, Oates and his deal, was he, you know, was he kind of, uh, I don't want to say this was trolling, but was he, was he doing it for effect? Sure. If you're a Houston fan, do you have the right to be extremely mad? Sure. If you're not a fan of either of these teams and you want to be mad at Oates, that's fine. But what he did is, is not the worst thing that, that happened here. Hold but, up. Let me stop you for a second. Somebody has a problem with Nate Oates doing that? Somebody. My mentions were a tire fire for 16 hours. because who, who could, Only a nerd would have a problem with Nate Oates. What's he doing? He's having a good time. It's again, it's hilarious because he lost his mind three minutes before and almost got kicked out of the game. But yes, no, a, a lot of people had an issue with this. Yes. A lot of people did not like it whatsoever. And more of this stuff, please. Like uh, coaches are already 
you know, extremely buttoned up for, in large part across professional sports, college sports, college basketball coaches. Generally, they're they're a little more willing to be themselves. And Nate Oates is is never afraid to uh, to say what's on his mind and, and do that with, you know, he, he what he did was nothing compared to. Did you see the video that that came out of it was Kellen Sampson, Kelvin's son and a couple of the players that trashed like the vomitorium where Houston was going back to his locker room. Did you wind up seeing that? I did not see that. No. Yeah. Like, so they were, they were all frustrated over how that game ended. And I get it. Like, I don't even, I don't necessarily even blame them for this, but yeah, there was, they, they kind of, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't huge, you know, but they, they knocked over some trash and knocked over some, some bottles and all that stuff. And then, uh, it was Jamal Sheed. I want to give him credit. The Houston player. Someone else caught it on video. Like, oh, I did see this. He went over there and picked it all up. He did it all by himself. Yeah. Like no one else. So credit to Jamal Sheed for doing that. But um, I think it might be Jamal Shed. Shed. Um, thank you for, uh, for the correction. If that's the case, and my apologies to Jamal for uh, for butchering the last name there. But like that compared to Oates, it was it was a wild wild scene though, man. It was just uh, it was it was awesome. The game, fifteen lead changes. 11 ties. The final 14 of those 15 lead changes came in the second half. Alabama was at 1.19 points per possession. Houston was at 1.17. It was the first time Alabama won back-to-back games against ranked opponents in the top 15 in the non-conference. So non-conference back-to-back wins uh, since 2001. Humongous win for Alabama here. And I would put them, I think they've got a real case to be top five. That Iona loss has a sense to it. I get all that. But man, between, and we talked about them last, uh, last time around because what they did with Gonzaga and all that, GP. But, uh, you know, you look what Davison's doing. Juwan Gary's another player that's emerging. He had 19 in this game. It was a hard fought game, dramatic ending. I was losing it at Oates. Give me more of all that. But, uh, but yeah, awesome, awesome game. Probably it actually, we'll get to Arizona, Illinois a little bit. This, this one upped it. This was the, this was the best game of the weekend there. And it just happened to have a controversial ending. If Alabama doesn't lose that game to Iona, they're pro they're maybe number one right now. And probably and no yeah. worse than two, no Correct. worse than two. If, if, if they don't lose to Iona and they have the win over Gonzaga, then we lead the podcast talking about Baylor versus Alabama for number one. Right. And then it's, it's a real, it's a real toss up, but the Iona thing prevents them. I think you can make them, they have back-to-back wins over Gonzaga and Houston. And that's, you know, one away from home. I think they've got a, I think they really have got a top five case elsewhere in the sec. So there were actually 13 sec teams that played, you know, either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And only five of them won. Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, LSU, South Carolina. Now, here's the bad stuff. Ugh. Vanderbilt lost to Loyola, Chicago. The Ramblers are now in the top 25 and won. Home Missouri, loss. Ma- home loss. That was in Memorial. That's in Nashville, Tennessee. Missouri got murdered by Kansas. Boy, I would never play that rivalry game again. <laughs> I mean to make you spit. You, you almost did. I wouldn't play it did anymore. See, did you see the tweet? Hmm. The Kansas account. The Kansas account had uh what did they tweet? Hold on, I got it. I got it in my notes here because I was gonna mention if you didn't. They, they said we should do this more often. It was 102 <laughs> to 65. Oh lord. 102 65. Um I got another note on that Kansas game, but I'll get to it at the very end of the podcast. Mississippi State lost to Colorado State. Colorado State now in the top 25 and one. Texas m lost to TCU. Ole Miss got destroyed by Western Kentucky. I don't know, man. Florida lost to Danny Manning in Maryland. 
Yep. Tell me if you thought you'd be saying that sentence three weeks ago. Florida <sighs> lost to Danny Manning in Maryland. Yeah. And then here's the two biggies that I wanted to focus on. Arkansas lost at Oklahoma while Kentucky lost at Notre Dame. And I dropped Arkansas and Kentucky completely out of the top 25 and one. They were in the top 10 on Saturday morning. I dropped them out on Sunday morning. And as I wrote, I understand that's a, a big drop um, in, in, you know, just on a surface level. But the way I rank teams once the season starts is I believe you are. This is the best way I could explain it. I assume you are what I assumed you would be until you prove otherwise one way or another. So if I think you were going to be good or great, I assume you're good or great until you show me you're not. And if I thought you were going to be bad or mediocre, I assume you're bad or mediocre until you show me you're not. So Iowa State, I thought they were going to be bad. Turns out they showed me they're not. So now they're in the top 15 of the top 25 and one. Arkansas and Kentucky started 10th and 14th in the top 25 and one preseason. And Arkansas was undefeated. And Kentucky was 7-1 and one, with the lone loss being a single-digit loss on a neutral court to Duke. They had done nothing to make me think they're bad, but had also not won any games. They'd beaten nobody. And then when you take a loss to Oklahoma and Kentucky, a loss to Notre Dame, um, suddenly you don't have resumes that are worthy of being ranked anymore. You know, Arkansas is now 9-1 and one with zero wins over top 65 Kimpom teams and a loss to unranked Oklahoma. Kentucky 7-2 and two with zero wins over top 100 Kimpom teams and a loss to unranked Notre Dame. If you take the preseason bias out of Torvik, I learned to do that in recent weeks. Yes, you did. Kentucky is now 42nd. Arkansas is 64th. You got any issue with me dropping both of them completely out? None. Um, I, uh, you don't have Texas in there either, do you? I still do have Texas in you there. You do. Well, here's- lost, since we last talked, they lost. You weren't on, the obviously, the Friday show. They lost at Seton Hall. But Texas is the very similar resume to Kentucky right now. The only difference would be Texas's losses are both the teams that I have ranked in the top 25 and one ahead of them. Where do you have the Longhorns right now? I have the Longhorns at 22. And their two losses are to Gonzaga, which is five, and Seton Hall, which is 19. Okay. So uh, they've got, so I, they've beaten nobody, but their two losses are the teams that I have ranked ahead of them. I can justify that. There was no way to keep Kentucky or Arkansas in the top 25 and one um, because they were going to have no win, no good wins and losses to teams that aren't ranked. You, you just, they got to go. For sure. Um, by the way, obviously, we are doing this on a Sunday night. Uh, the only game of uh, relative note that we're not going to be talking about is those Seton Hall Pirates. They're playing Rutgers right now. Uh, and that's actually a, a strangely compelling game after Rutgers did what it did. As for Kentucky, uh, Arkansas, no. Um, Nato's almost got tossed. Must did get tossed. Yes. You, I, I did see that, yes. He, he, I mean, first of all, lost it. Lost it to the point where I don't think he's losing it to fire up his team. I actually think, like, that was vintage, like, don't have control of his own faculties. And he was – it's just so funny, man. Muss is in incredible shape and has all this energy, but he is a small man. <laughs> he's, all of his assistants are larger than him. So he's, like, you know, he's just trying, and it's just like – it's like it's just there was no resistance whatsoever. That was uh, that was funny. So Arkansas, no issue with it. They haven't done anything. You can knock them on out. Hogs are going to have to earn it. As for Kentucky, man, that's a tough one, man. Like, give credit to 
Notre Dame freshman Blake Wesley, like he might actually be a good one for Bray. He had 14. His final two uh, were the winning margin. They basically ran an ISO play, and he hit a he hit a jumper just inside the foul line. Then Ty Ty Washington couldn't convert on the other end, and then there was like three and change, four seconds to go. Notre Dame got the the rebound, and like the, the crowd's going nuts. And you know, I don't know if they had fouled if it would have made a difference. I don't know, but you can always like it might. You're down two. Kentucky never fouled, so the game kind of just ended on a on a breakaway dunk that didn't count because it came after the came after the buzzer though. Um, man, yes, Kentucky should not be ranked. That's another. That was another good game though. By the way, seven ties, fifteen lead changes, no team led by more than five points the entire time. It's a pretty. It was a pretty good game that kind of ran alongside Arizona, Illinois. Um, but yeah, Kentucky couldn't rebound at all. Like they were a top three rebounding team statistically going into this. And Notre Dame was better than them on the board. Shibway, we talked about him on the Friday episode. He was awesome. He had 25 and seven. Uh, but his quest to average 20 rebounds a game, which was, you know, never going to happen to begin with. Like, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Uh, he was awesome, but he was like the only, he's the only really good one. So Kentucky was only, t- here's how, I was wondering if you noticed this, because I'm sure you did. Because we talked about it so much last season. Kentucky went two for 19 from three. Right. You know, so remember they lost one of the shooters that they were supposed to have via the transfer portal. And right. that like that matters. Yeah. So they don't have it. Like it's just, it was a confluence of events. Yeah. It was a road game. It was great to see Kentucky play a true non-conference road game because it just doesn't, doesn't happen a, a ton. Um, but yeah, for Notre Dame, it was the first win in 11 tries against a top 10 opponent. They hadn't done that since 2017. So I'll give Notre Dame credit. I just don't know how good that team is. This is way more about Kentucky. Like Ty Ty Washington took seven shots in 33 minutes. One of them was a tough, bad shot on Kentucky's final possession there. I I agree with you. Kentucky should not be ranked. And we'll obviously preview this later in the week. But next up is, you know, it, it starts to get, Kentucky has opportunities, but it starts to get challenging again. Ohio State in the CBS Sports Classic. Louisville after that, which will have no shortage of urgency. Louisville lost at home to DePaul on Friday night. Oh, by the way. Woo. And Louisville's going to have Southeastern Louisiana and at Western Kentucky before it plays Kentucky. So, like, that could be a desperation game. Kentucky's got – it's got some work to do. No, it should not be ranked. Uh, it won't be ranked, I think, when the polls refresh on Monday because it's just not there. They're 0-2 against top 51 Kempom competition and everyone else. Ohio's a decent mid-major team that I could get to the tournament. But everything else is, you know, Bobby Moe, Central Michigan, North Florida, Southern. These are teams, you know, low 200s, 300s. Um, we'll see. Man. And I thought – and this might be the case, Paris. One last thing. Like, I really did think this roster was going to be in that, like – three seed, four seed range this season. I really thought so. And it might, it might get there. It might, but right now I'm like, man, it's just, it's definitely, it's not that we saw him in person against Duke. Duke was definitely the better team. And then you saw him against Notre Dame and it was like, Ray's a good coach, but Notre Dame does not have the roster Kentucky has. Well, they put the schedule together um, in a strange way. And I know these things are complicated, but after they played Duke, they went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight games without playing a top 100 Kimpom team. And so people have been bagging on their non-league schedule, but the non-league schedule in totality is not that bad. Mm-hmm. It's just that they had a seven-game stretch of nothing after the Duke game. But then they're at Notre Dame. That's a real game. Ohio State in Vegas is a real game. Uh, Louisville, that's a real game. And then they've got that Kansas non-league game in, in late January. So right. – their non-league schedule will actually be pretty good, but that stretch between Duke and Notre Dame was just garbage. And then when they played another 
you know, power conference team for the first time since opening night. They just they didn't look the part. And I, I don't know if they'll be ranked in the AP poll or not. AP voters tend to have a harder time dropping somebody that far. They don't put their brains into it all the time. They just say, well, you know, I'll drop them seven spots or four spots. Or I don't think about how many spots I'm dropping somebody. I just look where should where do you belong today? And um, if you look at it, honestly, you wake up tomorrow. Kentucky does not belong in the top 25 tomorrow and neither neither does Arkansas. Because of that, before we get to kind of the whip around of the weekend, be, who benefited most in terms of jumping in or jumping up? Oh, it's going to be uh, undefeated Colorado State. Okay. Um, I think you can make a case Loyola. I've got Loyola Chicago in at number 26 now. Um, they, their two losses are both to like really good teams that are that are ranked in the top 25 and one. Um, you can make a case for Providence if you want to make a case for Providence. Uh, Providence has to be ranked. Do you not have Providence ranked? I do not have Providence ranked. You, they have to. I mean, who? Who, who do you have like tw- uh, Providence has to be ranked, my man. Like they, oh, the oh, Pro- they certainly Providence fans have told me that over and over and over again. Wisconsin, Texas Tech. I think that's enough in the losses to Virginia, which isn't good. I would say they, they deserve to be on the back end. They're 10 and one. I'm going to be at their UConn game Saturday. I don't know, but I'm guessing the two teams that I would probably rank. If you get to this point in the season, you're double digit without a loss. I would rank the Dons of San Francisco, which I, don't I had think. them. I had them. I was picking between Loyola, Chicago, I, w- I was picking between Loyola, Chicago, and San Francisco for the 26th spot, and I went with Loyola. But I like, I had it San Francisco, then I changed it at the last minute. Yeah. So right, right now, San Francisco would be 27, and Providence would be right there for me. Um, the argument against Providence, 10 and 1, went over Wisconsin. Sure. Guess who didn't play for Wisconsin that game? Johnny no. Davis. Yeah. Right. So Wisconsin missing its best player. Still a win. I'm not trying to take away and, from you. on the road. That's why. If it was almost yeah. neutral, that's, that's what just t- throws it over the top for me. That's all. Right. I'm fine with that. Um, um, they got the win over Texas Tech. That's obviously phenomenal. 18-point loss to a Virginia team that looks like it's not going to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And they're 57th at Ken Palm. The computer numbers are not strong. Yeah. All right. Fair that's enough. just that is an, if you want to make an argument against Providence, that's how you make it. I'm not saying you should. If you rank Providence, if you're an AP voter and you rank Providence, you got no issues with me. They're worthy. All right. Uh, let's whip around a couple couple games I want to focus in on. Then I'll just kind of tick it off before we wrap up here. Let's just give a quick a little segment here to Purdue NC State, which happened earlier on Sunday because the Boilers came back from a 12 point deficit with six and change to go in that game. Um, Stevanovich hits a three in the overtime. There was some just horrendous turnovers that happened at the end of regulation. We don't even get into it because the game went to OT, whatever. Stefanovic uh, hits a three in overtime. That was Purdue's first lead of the game. They wound up uh, taking off from there and, and, and getting the win. By the way, Stefanovic, I believe might be on the, uh, he's a heck of a player, but he could be on that Brian Cardinal follicle path. So uh, Purdue fans know what I'm talking about. Our condolences uh, for that, but he is, uh, he is quite the player there, but the, couple of unfortunate TV shots from above for my man there. Trevion Williams was the stud, though. One shy, one assist shy of Purdue's first triple-double since Joe Barry Carroll in the late 70s. He went number one in the NBA draft. Uh, I want to say in 80, I think. Um, Williams had 22 points, 12 boards, nine dimes, four blocks, two steals, and only one foul. 10 of 14 from the field. Gut check win for Purdue. It almost lost back-to-back games to Rutgers and NC State. In doing so, it and do- not doing so, it dodged plummeting. Where do you have? Where do you have? If you know this yet, uh, where do you have the Boilers in your rankings because of this win? Or if not, you don't know specifically what's the. Um- I think I've got it set up for tomorrow already. Um, I've got Baylor one, Duke two, UCLA three, Purdue four, 
Gonzaga five, Arizona six, Alabama seven, Kansas eight, Michigan State nine. And then I'm trying to figure out how far to drop Villanova. But right now I've got Villanova down to 10. Okay. Okay. Seems fair. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty good. Purdue, I mean, if it had lost this one, you they wouldn't or would they have or should they have? Just quick aside. They lost against NC State. Number one to unranked? No, I don't okay. think so. I mean, they've got some they've got some real wins, strong computer I would, I would numbers. Agree. I would agree. Yeah, but but number one to outside of the top ten. But you know, they won the game. Like I, I, every time I I do this, um, you know, every morning somebody's like, you know, well that was a you know they got lucky or they um they barely lost because of a buzzer beater in the clock. Who won? Who lost? That's who where won. I'm at. Sure. Yeah, yes. you know, if we can decide national championships on who wins and who loses, regardless of how, how it happens, then we can decide top 25 and ones with the same way. I only care about the bottom line. I agree. Um, are you with me with what I tweeted out earlier? That Travion Williams is a top 10 to 12 player in America. Like, if you watch today, I, like, he just does like seven different things in a game where I'm like, he just makes them, this is what makes them a championship contender. Like, he can post, he can handle, he can take them off the dribble, block, defend, recover. He seems to have... Uh, you know, a pretty great stamina. Granted, he's coming off the bench there, but we ranked him high in our top 101. Then Ivy started to go off, and then Edie's got a lot of to him. But the more the more I watch Purdue, like the more I'm like, it. He's got to be the centerpiece of what they have. Are you with me? Like, second all American at worst. He's a he's going to be sixth man of the year, all American. Crazy. Like we don't have those in college basketball, really. Like. Yeah. Guys who come off the bench who are legitimate All-American candidates, that's not a normal thing. I mean, that's not a normal thing in the NBA. It's not a normal thing anywhere. Right. I would agree with you. Um, okay, other really good game from the weekend. Let's talk Arizona-Illinois. A couple teams hit travel snafus and wound up winning the games. You mentioned UCLA. UCLA, they had like a cracked windshield, had to make an emergency landing. Their game got delayed. They win at Marquette. Illinois had to make a landing in um, Indianapolis because of weather. The whole team took Ubers and Lyfts all the way over to Champaign. Didn't wind up mattering. Arizona gets the win, and what a win it is. Um, how about this stat? It's the first non-conference. I had to triple-check this. Arizona at Illinois was the first non-conference-ranked opponent the Illini faced in their building since December 3rd, 2011, when Gonzaga was ranked 19th in the country. That seems almost impossible that Illinois hasn't hosted a non-conference ranked opponent for a decade. I understand why Illinois fans have been frustrated. It's 10 years? Game lived up to the expectations, though. Um, thoughts on it? I got a couple of thoughts, but I want to just tee it right back well, up to you. This was, I, this, was, this was such an enjoyable watch. And remember, Illinois is up way big in the first half. Right. And then this, the script flipped, which is a flip from what happened, not exactly parallel, but 05, the other team led and collapsed later. Well, I don't know if you saw the build-up to this game. Tommy Lloyd, the first-year Arizona coach, had said something along the lines of, I just know from experience, there's nothing, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something along the lines of, I just know from experience, there is nothing other than winning at home. That's right. They said the McKell Center, whatever. Um, there is nothing better than going on the road and, and whipping somebody's ass. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it was so good, we played it on Friday's podcast. Okay, we? right. Yeah. So, um People took great offense to that, which again, it's sort of like the NATO's thing. I don't know why. Like that, that is an awesome feeling. And yes. he was speaking honestly. He didn't say we're going to Illinois to kick their ass or we're going to go in there and whip Brad Underwood's ass or Kofi Coburn can SMD. It was just like, hey, there's nothing better than that feeling of beating a good team on the road. And we have a, in their own building, we have a chance to do that this weekend. 
And for some reason, people got bothered by that. I don't get it. But either way, then he went and did it. And now he's sitting here, um, I think 35 days into the season, 9-0. and Got wins over two, you know, uh, the five best in the preseason Big Ten teams, Michigan and Illinois. And remember, he was not a popular hire among former Arizona players. This was mm-hmm. like there was a real backlash to Arizona hiring Tommy Lloyd, and he had to work through those relationships and try to you know win these people over. And um, I mean, he's won everybody over at this point because you've got a, a like a legitimately awesome basketball team. And like I said, you can make the case that they could be number one. You probably noticed when I was going through my top twenty-five and one, they're not close to number one. And the argument against them, and I'm not you know. They have these two big sounding wins, Michigan and Illinois. How good are they? Michigan's lost a lot. Illinois lost a lot. It's fair. It's fair. But if you've uh, I'm influenced by how what I've seen from Arizona this season, because I've seen them play a lot and I've seen them win in different ways with different styles. I saw them play gutty against a just okay Wichita State team to this point, but the way they got the win in overtime there, they wiped the fl- I know Mich- we're going to get to Michigan in a second. They wiped the floor with Michigan, which is less impressive now than it was at the time. I get that. And then they're just destroying all these other teams. And then they they win the way they do at Illinois. I think Arizona should be ranked in the top three. At this point, 9-0 with what they were able to do, getting this win on the road. Ben Matherin has the look of a lock first-rounder, by the way. He had 30. Kirk Reese had 19, Tabellis had 16. You know, Kofi was not good for his standards. He had 13 and 13 on five of 15 shooting with five turnovers. Um, it was basically Trent Frazier and Alfonso Plummer that not just kept Illinois in the game, but gave them that edge. They were up 37-24 in the first half, and they weren't able to maintain it on their home floor. That's super frustrating for Illini fans, I know, because you get like you get an undefeated, really good team in your building, Arizona, a lot of buzz, a lot of intrigue with what they could be. Could be a huge win for your resume down the road, and then you can't hold it. You know, it was uh, it was looked like an, an incredible environment there. A lot of a lot of good environments uh, are on the television set across the weekend here because all these games, most for the most part, were uh, were true uh, road environments for the, for the other team. But man, um, yeah, I go I go Arizona. I might even go two. I know what you're saying. Yeah. You can, no, you, no, can no. you can fight back against me, but I I would actually they haven't lost yet, and I just Duke did lose, so I would I would put them ahead of Duke. I think. Yeah, let me be clear. I wouldn't push back against anybody. You want to put Arizona as high as one? I'll listen to you. Although I think it should be Baylor as high as two. I got it's fine with me. You know, this is one of those where I don't I don't think it's dumb to have them up at number two. I just don't. And if you were trying to ask me why, some of it is they're just caught behind these teams, and I don't tend to. To, to drop teams that don't lose. And so they're sort of in this spot now. Remember, they came from unranked. They came from nowhere. Um, but like if I had to argue, like, hey, support your position, it starts with, okay, they, they beat Illinois. That's great. So did Marquette and Cincinnati. They beat Michigan. Terrific. Mm-hmm. So did uh, Minnesota. So did Minnesota. I know. I'm getting so, there. I know. So, so did Minnesota. <laughs> so, so that's where we're at, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, but, I, I, but, but right now, Arizona looks terrific. And if you wanted to have a fist fight to try to decide who's going to be coach of the year, Tommy Lloyd or TJ Otzelberger, um, like I, you know, it's a good fight to have. Well, that's what I, I tweeted. I said Otzelberger one, Lloyd two, Ben Johnson three, one, two, three coach of the year right now. Very top of the list. It's got to be those. Like 
Otzelberger and Ben Johnson. Scott Drew? He's in there, but Otzelberger... Uh, Lost four least, starters, and he's got the number one team in America. You picking Scott Drew over TJ Otzelberger right now for coach of the year? Iowa State went 2-22 and last season. I like I love both of those men. I, uh, I, I, I go Otzelberger. And then, like, Tommy Lloyd never been a head coach before. He's done a good job so far. We're early. We're early. In it. Okay, quick... Quick little whip around here. You mentioned Maryland. It beat Florida. Not a good week for Florida. They're out of your rankings. They're out of all the rankings. How about this? It's like little nuggets like this that give me insight to why fan bases can sometimes be frustrating. I saw this on the Big Ten Network telecast. Maryland won tonight. It was their first win in the non-conference over a ranked team since 2014. How does that happen? How? Good win, Terps. Needed that. Danny Manning. Um, gets his first win as uh, as interim head coach there. Ohio State got his third quad one win of the season by knocking off Wisconsin by 18 points. EJ Liddell had 28 and nine and is having a first team All American type season so far. Uh, UConn got a shorthanded win over a shorthanded St. Bonaventure team. UConn is now nine and two. It will host Providence on Saturday. Yours truly will be in Hartford to take in that game in person there. GP mentioned Colorado State, so they're still undefeated. Beat Mississippi State to get them 10 and 0. LSU stayed undefeated uh, over the weekend in Iowa State. We just mentioned those are the teams that played this weekend and remain undefeated other than the ones we've already talked about there. In the Big East, things to monitor, just monitor. Creighton might have an NCAA tournament team. They beat BYU easily uh, up in South Dakota. And then, as I mentioned before, DePaul only has one loss. It won at Louisville. We'll circle back. Give it a little time to breathe. Uh, Dayton still might have the strangest resume. Beat Virginia Tech at home. Um, so that's a necessary win for the, uh, the flyers there. They're still not, you know, an at-large candidate yet, but they've got good wins along with just quad four losses. Dayton stay weird, please. How bad is it at Nebraska? They've lost back-to-back games by 30 or more points. That hasn't happened at that program since 1896, 1896, when Pinnacle Bank Arena did not exist and no one was walking into it anywhere there. And, um, congrats to Xavier, which beat Cincinnati, some more social media razzing, uh, Xavier noted it had been 7,302 days since Cincinnati has won at the Centos Center. <laughs> 7,302 days. Um, before I get to my mission question for you, I also wanted to mention something with the Kansas game. I love this. Well, scratch the music itch. Tools Danny Carey, uh, he's from the area. He played uh, the Jimi Hendrix Experiences Fire with the KU Pep Band. He plays in Tool. How would you like to be in college and get to say that you played a tune with Danny Carey? That's Awesome. I absolutely love that stuff. So I don't know the likelihood of anyone in the live chat right now being a tool fan. I'm like a casual tool fan. Schism. I love tool back when I was get out of here. I did not have you for for real. I've, I've seen tool multiple times. I Man. love tool. Um, how about this? So me and uh my wife and another couple of friends of ours were looking to go to Vegas in January, take our wives to the Adele show. Yeah. Opening weekend. You know how much that cost? <laughs> I, I honestly, I couldn't even venture to guess, but I'm sure it's unbelievably absurd. Dude, tickets are like 10 grand. Oh my gosh. Like I've, I've, paid, I've paid money for a lot. I'm not buying those. I'm not spending 10, 10 grand. Of, you're telling me it's 10. Are you, now, are you saying 10 grand to be like first five rows, 10 grand? Like I'm saying like, if you want to be in the, in the it's four, it seats 4,000. If you want to, if you want to be in front of the stage, you're 20 grand, 30 grand. We got someone in the chat saying right now, immediately. 45 grand. Oh, it's that. You could know it, but I don't know. That's no, that, now there, there's a point to the story. So we were going to plan it. My buddy was going to get the tickets last Thursday. That was his job. Whenever they went on sale, I was like, listen, you buy the tickets and we'll go. He was like, dude, I don't think I'm going to be able to get them. I was like, we'll get them on the secondary market. By the time they went to the secondary market, it's like 45 grand. 
So I, I'm like, well, we could still go to Vegas. I'm looking like, what else is going on in Vegas? Guess who's playing T-Mobile that same weekend? Tell me it. Cool. Tool? Love it, man. Come on now. They put on, I, I have never personally seen them live. And that's one of my, you still owe me a concert ticket. I might have to take you up on that. That might be the show there. Cause it, what when I used to play in a, in a full on band band, our drummer had seen them like five times every single time would not shut up about how amazing a live show it is. And I've watched the YouTube videos and all that stuff. Yeah, they're great. They that's, were great. I, I put that in my notes. and I was like, there's no shot. GP knows tool at all. That's what I thought. I, I, not that you didn't know who they were, but like, I didn't think you're, I didn't think you're like blasting lateralis or anything like that. Oh yeah, no, they did tool and then they did the perfect circle album. Love it. Yes, 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 exactly. Um, you're on top of your stuff. I love to hear it, buddy. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar with tool, um, they have a they're one of those bands, they've been around for man, they've been around for 30 years now. Um and Maynard Keenan is like a super interesting guy. Yeah, you know, he like runs a winery now. Correct. Or I think he makes more money off his wine than he does his band at this point. <laughs> yes. it's, he's, he's almost like Dave Matthews in that regard. They're like these two rock stars that started these wineries and are just loaded because of it. He is very interesting. And I'm sure plenty of people listening are no tool. We probably have some tool fans listening. If you have not heard, search out songs like Schism. Schism, you might have heard if you've heard any sort of alternative rock. That's the one that'll probably you'll know. What? But Lateralis, Stinkfist. What's the one I like? Learn to swim, learn to swim, learn to swim. <laughs> They're all, uh, they're learn all to swim, learn to swim, learn to swim. You know, the pieces fit my man. So Danny Carey sitting in on the KU pep band. I thought that was so awesome. In fact, when they, when they introduced him, this is so funny. Cause Danny Carey, Danny Carey and Carter Beaufort, you damn right. I'm going to uh, put some DMB into this. They're probably the two best active drummers over the age of 60 right now that are like still playing and touring. And so the KU, the KU guy on the, on the PA, like he doesn't know, he says. And according to Rolling Stone, the 26th greatest drummer in the history of music. Imagine, like, just call him, you know, one of the all-time great drummers because Danny Carey's better than 26 all around. He was laughing with it. It was really, really, really cool. Okay, um, before we get out of here, mm -hmm. I did want to pose this to you. Uh, Michigan loses to Minnesota and credit to Minnesota because Minnesota's done really well for itself. Think back on the preseason, and if we had, if someone had told us, Listen, we're going to get to, you know, four and a half, five weeks into the season, and Michigan's going to have three more losses than Minnesota. And Minnesota, and, and included in that is going to be a Minnesota win at Michigan. Like it would not have been fathomable to imagine a route in which that could have happened, right? Because Minnesota was universally projected to be the worst team in the Big Ten, and Michigan was the preseason number two team at Ken Palm and had the second best odds behind Gonzaga to win the national championship at, uh, at Caesars and all that good stuff. So with all of that in mind, and we'll, we got to loop in what happened Friday night here. Um, I maintain Michigan is the most disappointing team in the country because of all of this six and four after what it's been able to do under Juwan Howard. Um, yes or no. I say, yes, Michigan's the most disappointing team. Cause obviously the other teams that would be Memphis, which lost at Murray state, you could include Maryland if you want, but Sunday might actually impact that. And then Oregon was a preseason top 15 level team. They're bad. I think it's Michigan because I wasn't necessarily putting my expectation as high as Memphis. What say you? I mean, I'm not going to try to spin it good on Michigan because the Minnesota loss at home by double digits is inexplicable. Um, but the other losses are like Seton Hall's good. Arizona's great. North Carolina's, you know, still North Carolina. You go over to Memphis. Iowa State looks good. They're legit, but they were picked last in the Big 12, but they look good. Yeah, but you can't do that with Minnesota. That's the, they, they like cancel out when comparing the two. Okay. Memphis lost at Georgia. Georgia was without its point guard, and Georgia's ranked 164th at Ken Palm, and Georgia 
is four and five on the season. Memphis lost to the Ole Miss team that just got destroyed by Western Kentucky. By the way, a Western Kentucky team that Memphis destroyed, but that whole team's just imploded. And then they just lost at home to Murray State. And now they've got Alabama coming in on Tuesday night, yeah. the FedEx Forum. Penny Hardaway might be the – if he doesn't upset Alabama on Tuesday night, Penny Hardaway will be the first – trivia time! Oh, boy. Go ahead. If Penny Hardaway doesn't upset Alabama on Tuesday night, he'll be the first Memphis coach to lose five straight games in a season since – Um. There's a coach. Isn't there a coach in there that uh, that coached uh, either late '90s or early 2000s, and he was there for one or two seasons, and he's more known for coaching somewhere else? I, I'm I can't remember who it was, but am I am I in the am I in the right pew? Yes. Mm. Memphis you, had a long a long tenure under Larry Finch. Right. They fired him. They hired somebody. That person coached. They had to fire him because he was having a relationship with a co-ed. Then they had an interim coach for one year, and that interim coach lost five games in that season. And that interim coach went on to be an SEC coach. Okay. I got I to gotta close out our live comments here in case someone guesses it. Um, he went on. Not an active SEC coach, though. Not anymore. Now you've brought this up on the pod way back, though. I'm not going to be able to pull it. Oh, man, GP. This is an X for me. Just say it. I'm, I'm going to know it when you say it. Johnny Jones. <laughs> Johnny Jones. They went from Larry Finch to Tick Price. Tick Price had to resign right before season. Johnny Jones was the interim in the 1999-2000 year, and he lost five games in a row that year. And no Memphis coach has ever lost five in a row since. Josh Pastner, by the way. Never lost more than three in a row. Penny just lost four. Johnny Jones. I knew it. I knew it. Fortunately, that's my beat around guitar. I don't care that I just threw my remote on it. Um, yeah, that's a problem, man. And Memphis took that game from him. Uh, I mean, uh, Murray State took that game from Memphis. Uh, I went back and watched a little bit of the replay. I was not watching in real time there. I, I didn't assume Memphis was going to win. I didn't. But then I got like three different texts from three people probably about 10, oh. 20 minutes after the game ended. And I was like, of course this happened, man. Here, here's the other thing. Memphis has now lost three times as a double-digit favorite. I bet you there's no other team in America that's lost three times as a double-digit favorite. Probably not. I still go Michigan. What's wild about Michigan is its football team wasn't ranked in the preseason top 25 and is going to the college football playoff. Its men's basketball team was like a top three, top five level team. And it's just, I don't know. Uh, again, this statement is factual. Penny Hardaway is yet to cut is yet to coach an NCAA tournament level team at Memphis. Yes, they are disappointing, but my expectations of Juwan and Michigan were just higher than Memphis, but Memphis is a bigger mess. I think that's undeniable, but you know, it's just, you know, six and one half dozen of the other. And um, yeah, that's basically it. By the way, Bama Memphis is the only game where, you know, normally on these Sunday nights, we try and give you a little bit of a heads up for Monday and Tuesday. This week is brutal. Baron, not a lot because more finals. So the only game of note, while there could be an upset that surfaces, really the only matchup of note is that Bama Memphis game on Tuesday night. And we're watching that for, you know, the rubberneck car wreck factor. That's basically why we're watching it or to see if Memphis can somehow pull it together. Cause if it can't, you can see what's on the, what's on the line there, but otherwise that's uh that's the oh, weekend. And so I'm glad you're feeling better, but it was a, it was a pretty good one. Well, then guess what? Memphis, if Memphis loses to Alabama, guess what's next? Tennessee and Nashville. I mean, it could, it could easily be a six game losing streak. Woo. 
Woo. Yeah. That's all I got. Sunday night football is about to start. Let's go. Got your bears on. Hey, I took Just, your bears plus 11. A horrendous mistake. I mean, this is, this is embarrassing that they put this team on national television. It's embarrassing to me and my family. Like, why are you doing this to me? And, I'm, and I got to watch in real time. Then I got to have Twitter closed because we got succession. Are you caught up on succession? So caught up. Okay. All right. So then we got the succession. We won't spoil anything in case anyone's behind, but succession finale is tonight. So I'm going to do the Bears game. And then if it's like, if it's not close in the fourth, I'll record the rest because I want to, I just, I watch this game just to give me six plays from Justin Fields that give me hope for the future. That's basically it. And then we watch the succession finale, see how that goes. And, uh, and yeah, so anyone watching live, this is why this was also earlier. I wanted to get out right before uh, Bears Packers kick off. Kendall Roy alive or dead at the end of the episode? He's alive. Okay, I said I didn't want to spoil the people that might not be all caught up, but he is alive. That's uh, there's I, I cannot imagine a, a case in which he is not on screen uh, and alive and talking in the in the season finale. Yes, we'll see. We'll see. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Ben Eccles, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast, middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Please, while you're there, five stars, nice review. And if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, shame on you. We've been begging you. It ain't really my style to beg. All right? That's not my style. But, like, please, God, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And while you're there, smash the like button like you're Brandon David. You have consent. Brandon Davies would do it. He would risk a whole basketball season to smash basically anything. You don't, you're not really risking anything. All you have to do is smash the like button. You got no excuse. Go do that. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday morning. Till then, take care. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 